Ladies and gentlemen from Colonial Heights, Virginia and all Seasons Tabletop Studio, it's The Undiluted Truth with Mike and Ben. Today's episode, discussion with a local doctor concerning the pandemic. Do not forget to like, subscribe and share. Our podcast email is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Hey, are you on your best behavior? Always with the right treatments. Yes. Welcome everybody once again to The Undiluted Truth. I am Ben. And without any further delay, let's go ahead and welcome in our host, Mike. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? I am fantastic, Ben. And... As usual, it is getting better. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm doing great as well, and we've got a great show today. Absolutely. And uh, we're excited here. Uh, We do have a special guest with us. And our special guest today, we'll go do a little intro for our special guest. And before we do that, I just want to welcome officially all of you truth seekers and rock tumblers out there across the, not just the Fruited Plain, but the entire globe because we've hit what that's 40 right. countries uh 41 41 last 41 right. countries 41. and i'm still waiting to meet at least one of those people in oh, right, <laughs> another right. country other than uh other than the u.s but uh anyway uh we are excited uh today we have uh dr sheila fury md here from virginia and uh i'm going to give a little a little background, and if anything is any different, or if you want to add to that, doctor, you you, you certainly can. But uh, uh, I've got a medical degree from Creighton University, and uh, she has been practicing medicine uh, for over twenty years. And I've got a little note here that uh, specializing in child adolescence in the psychological field, uh, and. If those things aren't correct, or if most of them are, that's uh, the, you could comment on that. But Dr. Fury, welcome to the Undiluted Truth, Undiluted Truth with Mike and Ben. It's a pleasure to join both of you this afternoon. Well, it is really good to have you, and we did meet at an event uh, nearly a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was totally impressed with that event and your presentation. And Absolutely. I would just like to thank you for your service and your commitment, particularly to the Hippocratic Oath that you have have pledged, as many doctors have, but very few are actually standing up and are committed to that. So I, I just want to thank you for that and, uh, and, and just, you know, sort of have you speak on you know, the, we are in definitely some unprecedented times in our health system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've often said, I don't, you know, we hear all the time we have a health crisis. We have a health crisis. Well, my response to that is usually, I believe we have a corruption crisis. I, I, I see things, and I think many of us do, in, including yourself, and I know that we have spoke briefly. But as you talk to more people, you hear a lot of doubt of, 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 I should say, trust 
in those that we once thought had our best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And being here in Virginia, uh, just like for you to speak a little bit about where you are going with uh, some of your attention, approaching what I feel like are some roadblocks that uh, you guys as uh, medical professionals are facing. So, And I know that one of them, and I'll just go ahead and speak, uh, speak on it right now, is you were telling me that there, there are some problems here at the Virginia Health Department, or Department of Health, uh, and, and I'm going to be facetious. I, that's surprising to me. Mm. Not really, but uh, right. could, you speak, yeah. uh, could you speak a little bit on that and, and the approach that uh, some of you are taking? All right, well, thank you. The Virginia Department of Health, and I think many of, when we go back to the start of the the pandemic, uh, they wanted us, they instilled fear and panic in us. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence of that fear and panic, they shut down our churches, our businesses, our schools, And, of course, this was only going to be two weeks, and now we're at two and a half years, Mm. and the game plan hasn't changed from a government perspective, other than, you know, we are going to allow our children to go to school, but they want us to continue to be frightened. They want Mm. us to get one shot after another after another because that's going to solve the problem. (laughs) And as you and I and your listeners know, is the vaccines or the jabs, because they're not really Mm -hmm. vaccines, Ah, um, are ineffective and dangerous. Well, I want to jump in quickly, because you just mentioned vaccine, and you were leaning toward a definition that they're not really vaccines. For our listeners, could you... Just briefly explain the definition and why we don't really consider them a vaccine. So typically a vaccine um, uses, you know, part of a virus or part of something that is attacking our body. Right. And either destroys it prior to injecting it and you either destroys it or makes it so it's not going to cause you severe illness. So it's a t- what we call attenuated. Mm-hmm. And this allows you to get a little exposure to the substance, you know, let's say uh, the flu, all right, which is not a good vaccine, all right? Maybe um, measles is a better one, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and you get a little bit of exposure and your body makes, has an immune response to that and it prevents you from getting measles, right? Mm -hmm. So we give them measles vaccine and nobody gets measles, all right? And this, um, these jabs are based on what we call mRNA technology. And so what, they did was they took the most dangerous part of the virus, the spike protein. That is the part of the virus that causes inflammation, causes death, causes all the problems. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So they took that dangerous part of the the viral particle, wrapped it in a fat lipid, okay, mm-hmm. and injected it into your arm. And typically, when you inject something, you know, a vaccine, it sort of stays localized. This does not stay localized. It goes to every organ in the body. Right. And it does not prevent you from getting COVID. (laughs) And it does not prevent you from spreading COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... (laughs) And then further, they change the rules, continually change the rules about what it means to be vaccinated. So if you get the shot, typically that meant you were vaccinated. Now, you can say it takes, you know, a period of time. But what they did was said, well, we're not even going to consider you vaccinated until at least four, until 13 days and 23 hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> so if you get sick from that shot, well, you're really not considered vaccinated, right? Right. It- if you get COVID from that shot, well, that's because you weren't vaccinated. Right. So the rules are continually changing to continue to, you know, bolster their agenda of making sure that everybody gets a shot. So so let's roll back here just like on the definition. You said two important things, I believe, is you, you get the jab. It's no guarantee that you're not going to be infected and there's no guarantee that you're not going to be able to spread a virus. So with those two things, I would go, why do I need this? Right. And, and, and I, I like the way you, you, you got into the mRNA and, and, and that part of it. Now, just for our listeners, to sort of break it down in, in layman's terms, sort of, we were born with an innate immune system that we were to be exposed to certain viruses that our T-cells and our B-cells would kick in, fight it off, recognize it, and then we would be better off at the end, or we more than likely we would have the antibodies to, to fight off that very virus. If, if, is, does that sound accurate? Right. You know, the human body is a miraculous thing. And its ability, this is why it's important to play in the dirt, okay? (laughs) You know, get dirty and your body is exposed to things and you develop resistance. Exactly. And you're out in the sun and you get vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things help build our innate immune system. Right. Right. And and so... Uh, yeah, I was just going to say quickly, I, uh, not meaning to interrupt, but so the original, and I like the fact that you used the measles vaccine. So the idea, isn't it, to to get a piece of this vaccine, as you use it, attenuated, a part of that that's not necessarily harmful, but enough to have those cells recognize the virus down the road, sort of the way I like to explain it is, is it sort of kickstarts 
what God has already put in us so that we won't have to necessarily be exposed to it without the antibody protection. Does that sort of sound... That's very excellent. Can, uh, can I jump know, in it, real quick? You may. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Well, Mike brought up the measles, and I was going to make a comment. I was trying not to interrupt here. No, go ahead. But since you mentioned the measles, Mike, yeah, going back to your comment, uh, doctor, about the, the measles, like Mike is saying, with that attenuated, like that's giving us our innate immune system something to look at and like he was saying and from our studies correct me if i'm wrong but our bodies can recognize down to 20 percent i believe it is like um the virus that you you already had or recovered from so with that being said it seems to me this is the comment i was going to make like with the new vi uh, vaccine or jab that and we've been over this before, it's more of a, like a tunnel vision type of response, whereas the normal vaccines, like the measles, are giving your body that response where, okay, now we can recognize a broad spectrum here and not just focused here. That's how... I yes, but I think it's also more complicated because right now... <laughs> And the experts in the field, like Gert von Bosch, who's from Belgium, right. who's a virologist who used to work for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So he's a he's a vaccine guy, right? right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he emphatically said at the beginning when we wanted to push out these shots, was it is the wrong weapon for the wrong war. And what the, if you introduce this in the midst of a pandemic, you will drive the variants. Right. Yeah. And that has been exactly what we see. So the, the shot that we're getting now, or they're giving now, is to the original virus that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And hasn't okay. existed for over, you know, for a long time. Right. You know, yes. right now we're on variants BA4 and BA5. Right. So mm -hmm. that means that since this in January, we we were at the tail end of Delta. Then we went into Omicron, and there were two variants of Omicron in th at the early part of the year. And now we're at the variants called BA4 and BA5. All right. So that means in seven months or six and a half months, We've had five variants mm -hmm. at a minimum. Mm -hmm. And so you're giving a shot to something and asking the body to build a response to something that's no longer in existence. Right. And yeah. further, you're pushing the variants. So, and yes. So, doctor, with, with, with this, is is what what we're understanding, and I just want to see if see if we're correct in this, is that by doing this, you know that like you said, that old Wuhan spike protein uh, jab is long gone, and all of these variants coming down the pike, they didn't change the jab at all. That's still the same, and the immune system the, the the t cells and b cells are are they are they not looking more so especially the b cells because they that's where your memory is of these <laughs> these viruses are they not looking for something that's 
that's not there that, that it's it's sort of a short circuit and they're looking to protect and fight something off but they can't recognize it and yeah yeah and and I guess what I'm hearing is the more shots you get the the more the immune system becomes in sort of a short circuiting or malfunction and it starts sort of to turn on the body itself. And is that not what they call the cytokine storm? Is is Am I right there? It, it can create the cytokine storm, yes. But in addition to what, um, it's sort of like two football teams. And, you know, if you're on one football team, all right, the Panthers, and you know that you are to attack X. Okay, that's your goal on the other mm-hmm. side. You know, right. number 31 is your target. Yeah. All right? But number 22 has the ball. All right? But your whole team is, is, is focused on 31. Right. Yeah. All right? So 22 comes right through the line, the defensive <laughs> line. And further, the other members of the team, all right, who what we call natural killer cells, mm-hmm. are being suppressed. Right. So even if your backup system, so, you know, for the guys who got 31 in their head, but even though they're looking and seeing 22 is running with the ball, they're not responding. They don't realize 21 has the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that, so so yeah. your your whole immune system is yes. the backup system is not working. Yes. And so when you get COVID, your bot you the people who have more and more jobs get sicker mm-hmm. and actually yes. have a worse outcome than those who have not had any. Mm-hmm. Yes, and 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 that sort of makes sense. When, you know, when we realize that, and and this is a perfect uh, segue into our into our next uh, portion here that I want to talk about, especially when we have two things: we have a, a resilient immune system, as we spoke of, in you know, innate that was given by God at birth, and then we have natural curing, uh, curing immunity, as you said. You know, we eat the dirt, we go out, we get exposed to these things as we as we grow, and we actually live. So the question would be, um, let's go back sort of to the beginning, because we had good treatments from the very beginning, before this shot was even talked about. Uh, and And we had people dying in the hospital. We were all told that it was you know, that it was from COVID, but Mm -hmm. what is it that we know today about these, these good treatments, speaking of particularly of of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine that uh, Dr. Pierre Corey really was uh, one of the first uh, at, on the stage, so to speak, and spoke, you know, a couple of times in, in Congress and meetings about this, this treatment. And I think his second time he was actually calling it a miracle drug, uh, and ivermectin, if I'm not mistaken, has been around since the 50s. Uh, 
as 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 forty been, years, forty years. Yeah. So 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 it's been around for forty years that we know of, with without any caution of being unsafe. So uh, explain a little bit about what happened in the beginning, and what how is this playing a part in the way we think today. So there was a narrative, all right? The first narrative was to lock us down, but the second narrative was um, to prevent um, viable treatment options uh, in favor of the so-called vaccine and in favor of designer pharmaceutical agents. So the things we learn very early on, and as doctors, when we have a crisis like this, we, we go into action and we say, okay, let's look at what's in the kitchen sink. What's in the cupboard? Mm. What do we have? Uh, already approved. Terms, already approved FDA drugs. And look at their mechanisms of action. Mm-hmm. And look at the mechanisms of action of the disease process. So the first part of the illness is the, the viral replication stage. Mm-hmm. And so how do we stop viral replication? And so there were certain drugs that we have on the market that are antiviral drugs. Okay, so we have drugs for HIV. We have drugs for herpes. And then we have this drug, two drugs, in fact, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that have antiviral properties Mm -hmm. that had been known prior to the pandemic. Right. Now, Uh, wasn't it ivermectin uh, that uh, won the Pulitzer Prize as an anti-parasitic drug? So it won the Nobel Prize in medicine as... Be for its anti-parasitic properties, right? Yeah. So, so, so this it is was where known. It, it it was well known. I mean, my good and and highly touted as as an effective drug. Yes, you know, yeah. and it is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. Hmm. It is one of the safest medications in the world. It is safer than the Tylenol that all of us have in our medicine cap. Wow. And and yet, when it was brought to the attention by Dr. Pierre Corey, and it wasn't just him, it, it you know it was the American frontline doctors led by Dr. Simone Gold and and a couple of others, uh, Dr. Richard or so. Uh, uh, was it Brian Cole as well? Ryan Cole, yes, yeah, yes, or so among the many, yes. many, many others, and all of this was happening well uh, uh, before any any vaccine even was. Maybe it was maybe it was discussed a bit. So we we know of this, uh, and and this is where the you know where it gets it gets sort of frustrating. I think for us that are trying to understand and and we've had to almost mentally and you you probably understand this having you know a, a you know a, a, a psychology background but you know we're having to sort of rethink things like why are you know we're asking ourselves questions why are these things being quashed 
you know, mm-hmm. here they come and they're they're being quashed, they're being eliminated, and and then and I'm going to let you take it a step further, but you know, now these people that are standing up, and I'll go all the way back to, they took a pledge to only prescribe things that are beneficial and to refrain from causing harm and hurt in the Hippocratic Oath. Right. And these are people that are doing that, and yet now it appears, and and looking back now, we actually have some personal experiences of some being threatened, of of losing their licenses and so forth. So, and I know that uh, we spoke of a couple, but um, I know that you mentioned one that's right here in the state of Virginia. Could you just share some of that, Mm -hmm. and and how? How did, this almost sounds insane or bizarro world uh, to us looking on, but these are what I see highly credible doctors. Uh, if you could speak on that a bit. All right, I'm going to do one thing before that, but sure. when we look at ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, they are not single agents. They are used in, as part of an entire treatment protocol. And so... There are studies that have been done by the universities or the CDC, and those studies are really designed to fail. They use low dose or extremely high doses of, in the case of ivermectin, they used very low doses Mm. late in the illness and said, concluded then that it wasn't effective. And hydroxychloroquine, they, one of the initial studies on the, um, hydroxychloroquine gave known toxic doses to the patients who were in an ICU. And so, and they were already, so again, very late in the illness and giving, you know, known toxic doses to the patients and then saying, whoops, this is a bad outcome. You can't use hydroxychloroquine. Wow. And those are not the protocols that are put out by, you know, the frontline COVID-19 critical care alliance the frontline doctors, Peter McCullough, the Zelenko method, and others. Those right. are the doctors who are being successful in the mm-hmm. treatment of COVID don't use that. Yeah. They, they, they're not following the protocols or the, these studies that are being done by the universities. Right. And so, so they've got an entire treatment protocol for every stage. So prevention, early treatment if you're diagnosed, um, so prevention, if you're at high risk, or prevention, if you're just traveling a lot and you don't mm-hmm. want to get sick, um, early intervention, if you do become sick, a hospital level of treatment, as well as for those people who have had COVID and are very, very slow to recover, um, the what we call long haulers, yes. there's a treatment protocol for them. Yes, And they've also gone and developed a treatment protocol for those who have become vaccine injured. Okay. Can can we get right into that? We can push the you know the the charges and the in the mistreatment of of the health professionals. But could you could you tell us uh, some of the uh, the prevention treatments? Do you have any of that 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 you could share with the prevention treatments and early onset uh, is what you would recommend? Because I know that and and God bless you. You you are providing uh, services for you know f- folks here in Virginia, and and we appreciate it. 
So the early treatment, the most important thing that everyone needs to know is how critical vitamin D is, how critical the sun is, right? And so if you're locked up in your house and you've got a mask over your face, please take it off and go outside and sit in the sun and enjoy it and breathe (laughs) in the air. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What they found very early about vitamin D is that if you had a vitamin D level greater than 50, your chances of dying from COVID approached zero. Wow. Mm. We know also that if you are overweight, diabetic, or have dark skin color, you tend to have a lower vitamin D level. Mm -hmm. So the people who are most at risk from dying from COVID are the people who tend to have the lowest vitamin D levels. And so just going in and checking our patients who are high risk and saying, okay, let's bump your vitamin D level and we will try to not... And in the process of doing that, we're going to try to have you lower your weight and do some other interventions that make you a healthier individual. Mm-hmm. We also knew the importance of zinc. Yes. And zinc um, needs a piggyback ride into the cell, and that's usually with um, uh, over-the-counter quercetin. That's Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Yes, good product. And, and you use those in combination, and it's antivi- has antiviral properties, right? Yeah, very good. And then you can do something easy. You can gargle with scope or Listerine, and you can use, you know, if you're, you know, exposed, um, you can use providone iodine, mm-hmm. or it's a beta, a one percent betadine solution, and you put it in your nose after you know, exposure, and it kills the virus on contact, you know? Did, did a few of those with uh, <laughs> with an neti pot myself. I did that. Interesting. And so the, the, these are, um, and if you think about cold and flu season, that these are the interventions that we could have in our medicine cabinet that are non-toxic that we could use all through, you know, you're out, you're at an event, you come home, you go, I got a scratchy throat. Well, you do an intervention right then mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to take some zinc. I'm going to make sure my, I'm going to take an extra dose of D. I'm going to make some, take some vitamin C. Because mm-hmm. vitamin C is essential to the immune system, and it's got huge anti-inflammatory properties. So I'm going to use the things around me that I have that are low cost, right? Low cost that mm-hmm. are in every pharmacy. And what we could have done at the beginning of COVID is instead of putting mask up, and saying you have to have a mask or two masks or whatever the you know flavor of the day was, we could have said, here's a treatment protocol to boost your own immune system. Well, thank Make you. sure that we could have put vitamin D shops and up instead of doing COVID swab tests on everybody. We could have done vitamin D levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it you know it yeah. it it sounds so simple, doesn't it? And and not very expensive when you're talking about repurposed drugs because they're already out there, and they're not costing much. It just sounds so simple, uh, yeah. and and I love the, and I'm going to be facetious here, the panic 
that I hear in your voice is that, you know, mm. this virus is going to kill us all if we don't do these things. Um, right. And I yeah. don't mean that. No, it's just so, so simple. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like we need to be double masking or, or locking down uh, because of a, you know, these new variants coming, the, you know, the, the BA3, 4, and 5. And there's still people in a bit of a panic and and mm-hmm. fear is still sort of running through some of the veins in our you know in our neighborhoods and and cities uh but uh, th- it doesn't sound i'm not hearing any panic in your voice there is no panic in my voice and i treat <laughs> in, and i discuss and i meet with um people some of patients who are incredibly high risk okay mm-hmm. and we look at there is um, a prophylactic um, regime, you know, that you take low-dose ivermectin or low-dose hydroxychloroquine uh, one to two times a week. Um, and those protocols are available on the flccc.net website. Uh-huh. Well, right? And you. people yeah. can go there <laughs> and they can look at all the protocols, Right. So it's flccc.net, and these were developed by doctors who are treating patients in the front lines all around the world ah. with success, mm, right? Okay. Yeah. They, they didn't develop these protocols because they were not working. <laughs> they developed them because, and kept modifying them because they were successful. Yeah. And yet, our, this is what, going back around, this is gets us back to Virginia, is that we have a one-size-fits-all protocol that has essentially remained unsta- unchanged since the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Let, let me, Ben, ben yeah. wants to jump in here. Hold that thought because I mm-hmm. want to go right where you are with the state of Virginia here, but Ben has a quick comment. I think. No, yeah, I just wanted to thank Dr. Fury for mentioning that because I was about to bring that. That was actually, I was about to interject and ask her if she could share um, what she had shared with me at that meeting about the flccc.net and um, mention those protocols that are, that are there because correct me if I'm wrong. You also said that there is a protocol for long haul, um, COVID on that site as well, correct? That is correct. Okay. So, and for the vaccine injured. Okay. So, right. Um, okay. Wow. Because right. what in all of these things, we're trying to prevent the spike protein from damaging the body. Okay. And so once you, if you have COVID because you were exposed to it or you have COVID because it was injected in your arm, Mm-hmm. then we, you have to have a mechanism to help support your immune system to fight it. And, gotcha. and, and this goes Thank you. all the way down the road with even myocarditis because I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of different doctors, and, and you know, including Robert Malone and, and Peter McCullough and these guys, that once the heart is damaged, it, it's sort of irreversible. I mean, you can maybe stop it. But the damage to the heart is there, and 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 we're speaking of what the jab is is causing because it, in and I I'm going to say prime athlete age individuals myocarditis seems like it's running rapid. 
It's absolutely true. And so in the rates, when you look at the side effect profile of the jab, you have to look at rates of myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle, Mm -hmm. pericarditis, which is inflammation of the lining around the heart. You have Mm -hmm. to look at stroke risk, um, neurological seizures. You have to look at... Uh, blood clots in other parts of the body. Um, Women in particular have to look, because the the lipid nanoparticle is found in the ovary, we are looking Mm. at what I would consider catastrophic levels of infertility. Um, There are eight current studies out and they have that have sh- that around from around the world that have shown a drop in fertility and Hungary in particular it was a twenty percent drop. Wow! And mm-hmm. these are places that had rock steady fertility rates mm-hmm. and are now seeing this. We are seeing, and I believe it's a seventy eight percent miscarriage rate for women who are pregnant in the first trimester. Yeah, I heard I heard that numbers. Yeah, that's about the same number I heard. Uh, well, we also have a drop in sperm counts, sperm motility, sperm size, and we may have a return to motility and size at approximately five to six months, but still having low sperm count numbers. Wow. Mm. It, 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 this this just rings, you know, so evident. And I don't want to get in the weeds here, but I just can't help but think of some comments that Bill Gates has made over, over the, the past uh, few years. But it, when I hear these things, it all has to do with reproduction and so forth. And it just sounds like it's so much in the lane that – that we have heard, uh, but uh, it it's just un- unbelievable, but sadly believable at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, thank you for those uh, those quotes and, and and those numbers. They're stunning. It, it really is, and the fact that um, we're giving these shots to six month old children who are healthy who are at, essentially at no risk from dying from COVID. Mm-hmm. And if they would yep. get sick with COVID, could easily be treated with the treatment regimes that have already been developed. Absolutely. Absolutely. They don't need the designer drugs. They don't need remdesivir, which causes kidney failure. And then there's the new Paxlovid, which we know from you know, Dr. Fauci, it didn't even work on him. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. When 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 the so-called smartest man in the world uh, is, <laughs> it's not mm. working on him. Uh, but uh, it, you know that there's there's something gone awry. You know. Uh, so, but it some of this is almost gotten to be where it's old hat when you're hearing some of these things. And I think one of the oldest hats in the room is what you just a few minutes ago began to speak about. If, if you could pick back up and talk about where we are here in the state of Virginia, and it's not just here, it's in other parts of the country as well. 
but this one size fits all mentality and and what are we going to do about it and and what are you involved in doing about it so the, there's a treatment protocol if you go into the hospitals and it involves getting remdesivir which is a known oh. renal or kidney toxic drug mm-hmm. and low dose steroids and ventilation so what is needed if you are your lungs are compromised your lungs are compromised by inflammation and so the treatment uh, for lung inflammation the best most readily absorbed steroid to fight that is methylprednisolone uh. and yet the and you can use it in high doses to reduce the inflammation. Very good. And what the hospitals tend to use is Decadron in low doses. And it's it doesn't have the absorption that methylprednisolone does. So there's lots of steroids on the market. And their efficacy in different parts of the body is different. And so we know, and there's tremendous amount of data, and there's a long history of data um, from the lung experts like Dr. Pierre Corey, who's a pulmonologist, mm-hmm. about the criti- how critical methylprednisolone is to use in the inflammatory lung stage. And yet, that is not the, po- the protocol used in our hospitals. And so your having people come in who are compromised, you're asking to immediately intubate them and not giving them adequate anti-inflammatory protection with a steroid that will work. And then you give them an antiviral remdesivir, which is late. We're already past the viral replication stage. And that's for, what is that? Four days? From one to five, okay. maybe one to six, seven. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so if you if, if if you're there in day two, remdesivir might give you some help. Is that fair it, to say? It might, but you have to look at it as a risk benefit. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. I, and I so totally when you agree. look at it, and you, and particularly for our elderly, and you say, you know, this has at least a fifty-one percent chance of causing you to go into kidney failure. Right, you got to think a little bit more. Yeah, yes, you do. I mean, I'm just going to interject and say this: this stuff begs the obvious question as to if there's been studies about these things and this is proven to work for this. Why are they still using technically the wrong thing? Why are they still doing this? That's the obvious question. Yeah, I I, I was going to wait for that question, Ben, and let her finish because I'm sorry, that, I can't hold back that's, anymore. That's, that's the elephant in the room ridiculous. that I think probably the thousands of people would like to ask. But uh, it's so, all about following the money, okay? Well, yeah, and good the point. vaccine the vaccine industry made fifty two billion dollars mm. before this vaccine rollout. Okay, wow. $52 billion a year. Oh, okay? wow. So, so if there is an approved medication for the treatment right. for COVID, mm-hmm. all of the emergency use authorization orders would end. Uh, correct. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. All of them. Yes. So 
remdesivir, Paxlovid, uh, Molnupiravir, all of the shots, yeah. all of that would end. Yeah, and I think in so it's billions yeah. and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in uh, the UK, I think it's uh, midazolam is is the other one that's being used uh, in the same manner. Uh, so, you know that 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 is the question, and and uh, Doctor Fury, I I had had read and and also heard that. Uh, is it true that some of these facilities, hospitals and, and, and medical facilities are getting uh, kickbacks for using remdesivir? I mean, up to 15 to 20%, is that right? Correct. So if you give remdesivir, the um, centers or Medicare, Medi- Medicare, probably for most patients, Medicaid and Medicare, mm-hmm. give you a 20% bonus on the entire hospital bill. Wow. So you talk about, and you know, and I'm sure that we have all, you know, kind of rolled back in our, in our eyes, you know, you're talking about some of this treatment and some of the things that are going on with uh, in, incentivizing shots, uh, 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 you know, coercing uh, for shots, and and you know, and threatening, as as we sort of skim the surface. Uh, Doctor Simone Gold and Doctor Paul Merrick, just for a few, some severe stripping of licenses and and all of this, and yet many of us are going. Well, whatever happened to the Nuremberg Code? Isn't this federal law? I mean, what are we doing? Well, there are agencies who are, um, do, or people who are trying to use the Nuremberg Law to fight this. And so Robert F. Kennedy, so for people who haven't read the book, um, mm-hmm. The Real Anthony Fauci yes. uh, by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., mm. it is a must read. Yeah. All right. And... Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey is his book on ivermectin uh, is probably going to come out in the fall. So it about the messaging about this is a horse medicine, all of that. You know, Health and Human Services spent one billion dollars to uh, of our tax dollars. Yeah, yeah, we're paying for this. Good point. Yes. All right, so when we mention these numbers, I just want everybody to think about this is our tax dollars. Yeah, yeah, when you think about it, we're paying these guys to mistreat us. So we're funding fraud, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We are funding fraud. It's the WWF. It's it's a worldwide fraud. Yeah, that's what I call it. (laughs) Wow. And to have the media campaign against ivermectin and in support of the vaccines and, you know, for Elmo to come out and say, please go and get your shot. It's good for you. Yeah. And it's good for grandma. All wow. right. Yeah. That's yeah. We saw, I saw you know, that. would we, how would we feel if we had Elmo come out and say, Hey, this cocaine is really good. And I want you to share it with grandma. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's try the, that. The world would go crazy. Yeah, uh-huh. we. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> but you would. And think. yet, we have an unproven, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. something that has just hit the market, and we have this drank the Kool Aid of this has to be wonderful because the government said so. 
Well, th- th- you just made a great point, and I, I want to oh, yeah. touch on a yeah. couple of things because that's really where a lot of us are. So what I would like to at least tell our audience now is it's a good time to bring up, because Ben brought it up, is why, how are we letting this happen? And some of us think just that. Isn't anybody doing anything? And then you mentioned uh, RFK Jr., but I think it's a, it's a great time to mention that the COVID-19 summit and the declaration of over 17,000 doctors and medical yeah, experts around right. the world, over 17,000 have levied or have signed a declaration to bring charges, including crimes against humanity. So uh, that gives me some comfort. But I'm not around these 17,000 people every day. Yeah. So, Well, I think there's also something we can do right here in Virginia. Well, you so, tell us what that is. All right. So <laughs> we have just sent a letter to Dr. Colin Green. Uh, so I am part of an organization called Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. Uh. And we sent a letter to Dr. Colin Green, who is the director of the Virginia Department of Health, okay. asking for a public forum discussion. He can bring his people. We'll bring our people. Right. Yeah. And we'll open it to the public mm. for people to hear from the experts so that they can, can we can discuss all aspects of what has been going on so that people can be informed and can make their own decisions. Absolutely. That we're not mm-hmm. hiding data from the public, that we're giving them true informed consent. So you know the risk, you know the potential benefits, and you know the alternatives. And so if people could call their legislator or call Dr. Green or the governor, lieutenant governor, the Jason Muir is the attorney general and yes. say, I just heard about this public forum that's been requested on COVID and I want you to do that. And I want you to do it in my hometown. So I want it in Colonial Heights and I want it in Williamsburg and I want it in Virginia Beach and I want it in Lynchburg. Absolutely. That I want it in Marion. I want mm-hmm. people to be able to hear that they're, you know, what's going on, that there is real medical data, and that people need to hear the importance of early intervention. And further, the Virginia Department of Health needs to hear from people who have been injured, who have been vaccine injured or who were injured in their hospitalizations because of lack of treatment. Absolutely. And and I know that, uh, and I know some people that I believe were mistreated uh, personally and and didn't make it out of the hospital. And that's sad. And I believe that it did have a lot to do with what you just mentioned. And that's remdesivir and, you know, the the ventilators and just basically giving them knockout medicine and, and then watching the the respiratory system just just die uh, mm. is is just sad. But no, could could you give us the uh, the head of the uh, the Department of Health, so uh, Doctor uh, Doctor uh, Colin Green? Colin Green is okay. all right. And if you want more information, you can go to V A M as in Mary, F as in Frank, A. So V-A-M-F-A, that's Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance.org. 
That's our website. Okay. Okay, great. The great. other thing you can do is follow me on Substack. So I have a Substack. It's Sheila M. Fury, MD. Dot substack dot com. And so it's S H E I L A M F U R E Y M D dot substack dot com. Okay. And but the website will give you information. It has a copy of the letter that we sent to Dr. Green. So you'll be able to read that. If you go to my Substack, it's also on the Substack. Very Excellent. good. Um, Excellent. I would yes, I would love to be a part of any of those meetings uh, here uh, representing the undiluted truth and to be able to to get in front of some of these individuals and do whatever we can because we are all about and we mentioned it it's the truth is hard to find and there's people that don't know. They just plain don't know and and we have people I have people asking me when I share some of this and I'm sure you do you know, they, they look at you sometimes like you have three heads and, and they say, where are you getting your information? Right. You know, and, and it's just, well, you have to really look hard for it these days, uh, yeah. which which is a shame. But uh, that sounds that sounds great, something that we can do here in Virginia and get involved. Uh, did, let me ask you this, Dr. Fury. In this letter, is there a deadline as far as we'd like a response by whatever, a certain date? We didn't give them a deadline, uh, but we are going to be putting some pressure on them, asking them when we could have this forum. And if they don't step up to the plate, we're going to try to have our own forum without them. Okay. okay. Very good. All right. yeah. But we want to get the information out to the public um, and, you know, if we can have, you know, Dr. Merrick, who's from Virginia, possibly Dr. Corey, Dr. Malone is from Virginia. Yes. We have some outstanding yeah. doctors d- 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 in, this, in the state that have been at the forefront of this from the beginning. And yet our medical officials in government have completely ignored their expertise. Yeah. And that's shameful. It- it yeah. really is. That That's well said. Uh, get Dr. David Martin there. Ooh, yes. That would be good, too. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Fury, if, if I didn't understand fully, um, you would like people to call in and, and request this type of thing in their own local area. But your, your initial one is that, are you trying to get that set up in, what is that, Richmond area? Would that be well, correct? Well, we're in Richmond, but... Right. I'm in Richmond, but, you know, if you call, you know, the governor's office and say, I want a medical forum, I support what the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance is doing. We need to have an open discussion. Right. And it may first occur in the greater Richmond area. And then it may, uh, what we did ask is for the Virginia Department of Health to go into the communities and listen to the communities. Okay. And it's sort of a listening tour. Mm-hmm, and right. that was one of the things with the opioid crisis that the Virginia Department of Health did was they listened to the people about the crisis that was going on. Um, and yet here's a crisis that is now not only it's killing people and 
mm-hmm. you know, or the magnified, but it's killing people unnecessarily, right? right? Yes. So the death rate overall is not catastrophic, okay? But it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. That families have absolutely been destroyed unnecessarily mm-hmm. because of lack of treatment. Right. Yeah. Right. And, can I can and I that, ask her? And, and that sorry. is that's I mean let's face it that's an absolute crime. Yeah. Yeah. It because it is, you know, we're we're saying follow the money, but these people are doing this. Many sort of I would say the majority knowingly they've either they've either you 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 drank the Kool Aid uh, they've taken the money or they're too afraid uh, they're 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 balancing do I want to keep my job do I want to keep my license so we'll go this route. Meanwhile, people are let's face it, people are dying and I it's it's sickening. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Fury, could I could I ask you to repeat one more thing? I, I don't know if you need to go here shortly, but um, could you repeat one more time where people can go to find those protocols that we mentioned earlier? The protocols are on FLCCC, so three C's as in cat, dot net. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, we are almost about out of time, and, and I and I I've got more things that I, I wanted to discuss. But Doctor Fury, you've been wonderful. Absolutely. We we thank you so much. I didn't even get into, and maybe we could uh, dangle a carrot for the next uh, <laughs> for the next episode that we do together. But uh, I I just was dying to not really literally dying, but yeah, I, stay I with to, us. Stay with I, us, Mike. I, I wanted so much to hear. Your comment on SADS, the sudden adult death syndrome. Now, oh, you don't okay. have to get into it now, but just a, a carrot to dangle Ooh. out there. It All just, right. it, well, it, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Just in a nutshell, <laughs> we've created a new diagnosis for people who are dying unexplained, but somehow there's a time link to when they had the vaccine shot hmm. yeah yeah so somehow. we're calling hmm. that sudden unexplained death in adults and but there's a tremendous denial that there could be any relationship to the jab in the arm yes and and that's that that's just amazing to me but it's it's almost as if i i'm i look at these stories and people and, and and I have to ask do they really think that we're believing this and sadly yes. many are mm-hmm. I, I just so uh it it is refreshing not that it's you know refreshing in a good way but mentally refreshing to to hear reason and uh we did that today here on our show and we appreciate it so much and before we before we close out i i have got to ask you probably the most important question will you do this again with us i will come back i'm uh, happy to do that for you <laughs> wonderful great and if there is and we want to we want to volunteer if there's anything that we can do for you guys and and uh, your movement you let us know and uh, we are committed to getting the truth out and helping uh, those of our fellow man here at home uh, first uh, any way we can. So um, we are at your disposal, so to speak. 
Thank you. And thank you to all of your listeners. Yes, and you're very welcome. And we hope because of this, we get more listeners uh, and we expect that to happen. So, all right. Well, Ben, mm-hmm. another great show. Yes, uh, absolutely. And Dr. Fury, we always uh, wrap up and close with a word of prayer if you want to join us with that. Yes. Dear, dear Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this platform that you have provided. And Father, we just want to lift up Dr. Fury just now and what she's doing and, and, and bless her in a special way and, mm-hmm. and give her the mental and the physical strength to continue to do what she's doing, and that is helping her fellow men and women uh, around the the United States and specifically here at home. Ask for a special blessing on all of those listening. Help each one of us to recommit ourselves and through the power of your spirit have a stronger desire to seek truth and to seek you in a special way. All of those uh, around the world, it's not just us here, but around the world that are standing uh, standing up for you, and, and they're, they're being threatened, some of the health professionals. We pray that you be with them and their families and help them to make the, the best decision, but give them the power to stand. And there's been many, and we know of many, that have lost their lives. Families have, have gone through uh, some very difficult times, and there's been many that have been harmed. Be with each and all of those uh, in a very special way, give them peace and give them strength and, and, and healing. And as always, as we part ways, we ask for you and every intent of our thoughts be pure. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to join us again every Tuesday and Thursday on The Undiluted Truth. And remember, rock tumblers, with all of your might, continue to diligently seek truth. God bless.